To the new score podcast my name is pat this is my co-host tyg tyler pratt tyler what's going on buddy cheers uh not a whole cheers, lot mate. not a whole lot we got um football on and yes. we're ready to talk about everything um yes we got titan steelers on right now as we speak get a little bit of a live reaction from us Steelers mm-hmm. just went up seven zip. Best I've seen Steelers offense look in the last three years on an opening drive. Yeah. Um, but good for them. I should I should have taken the over tonight. Mm. I thought about it, but I, I pulled out. I was scared. A crazy person. Um, we got an absolutely juiced episode for you today. Uh, we got a little recap of our Dallas trip. Tyler's mm-hmm. back in New York now. I'm back in Florida. Just got back a couple of days ago. Um, Texas Rangers, World Series champs, uh, Raiders firing Josh McDaniels and uh, Ziegler, their GM. Um, we got some heel of the week. This is a good one. This is this is a good one. I've been uh, I've been waiting to unleash uh, this heel of the week, kind of a heel of the week and daily rant all in one. So it's it's going to be a good one. We got some say it and grade it. Going to go over some NFL trades, uh, the James Harden trade. Um, we're going to talk about Tyler's Michigan Wolverines. Cheaters. <laughs> and then we're going to cap it off with uh, what we do best, NFL. A little bit of a week eight analysis combined with a week nine preview. And we got some elite, elite matchups coming up this week. Elite. Stoked for it uh, and pumped to talk about it. So, Tyra, I know I know you're a little tired. We're still trying to get back into the swing of things after our trip. Hmm. Um, let's talk about our trip a little bit. So I did not know it was cold as shit in Texas this time of year. So your boy did not pack any pants, any long sleeves, any hoodie, jacket, absolutely nothing just shorts t-shirt jerseys was not prepared at all little congested now throat's killing me been like this the last couple days so it is what it is not to mention i don't if you didn't catch it last episode the airport lost my luggage so that was an ordeal first 12 hours or so dealing with that um but that first night, that first night, the vibes were high. The sun was out. The only night that the sun was out for us, um, riding the Mustang on the way to that Dallas Mavs game, that was oh, yeah. that was when the weather was at its peak. Because after that, um, it was just rain, and it was just cold, 40 degrees, uh, flood warnings. So it felt like all weekend long, there was a flood warning that we had to go through. Um but that that first night, then the Luka Doncic, Luka Magic, pulls it off in the end, hits two ridiculous shots. Mavs win. Um, day two, we uh, we played some pool out at a bar, watching Game Two of the World Series. 
Then we ended up downtown and we ended up on a beer pong table. And once we hopped on that beer pong table, we weren't giving it up. That was, that was our table all night. Um, it, it's like riding a bike when your boys are, are back on that table together. It's, uh, it's like magic is just brought back. So <laughs> that was fun. Uh, we still got it. It was a good time. Sunday morning was a bit rough waking up for Cowboys Rams. It was noon Texas time. So getting up for that Sunday morning after uh, a long Saturday night wasn't fun. And on top of that, before we even get to our seats, the score is 26-3 Cowboys over the Rams. So I, w- I was not in good shape at that time. I know Tyler was having a blast going th- <laughs> going through that game, but uh, I was just sitting there watching Red Zone on my phone for the majority of it, not really uh, not really paying too much mind of uh, what was going on in that field once it got to be thirty three to three. Mm. So that was that was a a good time. We went back to the hotel after that, watched some football, and then. Capped it off on Monday, Dallas Stars game, Tower's first NHL game, and they got the win for them, and we oh, had oh, oh, oh. elite seats. So elite. That was that was a blast. That was a blast. Uh, Tyre, what are you taking away from that trip? Um, Florida boys do not know how to handle the cold. <laughs> Just kidding. But it was uh, it was fun. It, it was it was a fun trip. Um, to be able to get three Dallas games and, you know, collectively over four days all in Dallas and then all of them to get wins. It was kind of just, you know, cherry on the top um, or icing on the cake, 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 cake. So it was fun. It was fun. I would, I would love to do it again. I'd recommend anybody who is a Mavericks fan, get over to American Airlines Center Park in the Lexus garage. You can't beat. You just can't beat it. Uh, I don't know what club that we went to on Saturday night, but that DJ was killing it. When we were running the pong table, I was digging what he was. Uh, what he was playing. He was. He was actually Classic. really good. Yeah, he was really good. He just mixed it really well. I was loving it. So, um, but yeah, the the whole. The, whole luggage thing into everything it was like a a rough start to the trip but uh, after that i think we we kind of recovered well and i was asking like did we i can't even remember when we recorded was it was it friday or saturday night it was friday right after the mavs game we were uh we were pretty lit pretty 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 litty going back to the hotel that night uh, after that big mavs win and dropped a podcast yeah, you couldn't beat it. You couldn't beat it. The vibes and by the way, I'm wearing these shades because um, there's a lot of light in this room right now, and I don't want to get a headache. So, no. I promise you, I'm not a douche. He's he's being modest. PFT hit him up and was like, "Yo, I need a partner in crime who also wears shades while recording." No, I'm not a poser. <laughs> I just don't want a headache. No, I'm just fucking with you. But either way, uh, the trip was great. Uh, the flight back was. I usually can't sleep on planes, but I was so tired from the trip that I actually was able to catch a couple naps on the plane rides home. So 
Um, that went by quick. I played blackjack on DraftKings while I was in the Jersey airport at a bar. Went up 50 real quick and then went back down a little bit real quick. And I was like, I better cut myself off here as I'm fucking drinking a Moscow mule. So <laughs> I was like, yeah. Speaking of, yours truly makes a mean one. I make a mean Cheers, one. lad. Yes, cheers, everybody. Appreciate y'all. So let's let's start off this episode with the Texas Rangers winning their first ever World Series. Let's give it up. Congrats, Texas. Awesome, awesome. They had six straight losing seasons mm. coming into this year, winning a World Series. I mean, D-backs, hell of a run, too. Hell of a run for the D-backs. But, yeah. Texas, they were they were too good. They were too good. I end up winning the series four one. Then they win last night five zip. So you just you couldn't hold that lineup down a whole a whole game. You know, it's like Gallon held them last night to no hits the first six innings. But it's this team every time where they go. They go quiet for a little bit. There's always that inning where they break out to beat you. Mm -hmm. Um, And the bullpen, which they boosted at the trade deadline, credit to them, they improved their bullpen a lot. That deadline, they get guys like Montgomery in that rotation. I know they trade for Scherzer too, and he was banged up, but it just felt like everything that they did this year um, was the right move ultimately for them. And they went 10-0 and 0 on the road this postseason. Absolutely incredible. That's insane. Unheard of to just to win a chip and not lose on the road one time is just amazing. And the fact that people want to say, like, that they threw all this money at their team and they got a World Series, yeah, that's that's what they do in baseball. It's just supposed um, to be. And, there's so many of these teams that do. Look at the Yankees. When's the last World Series they won? All right. So just because you, you do that, I mean, it, it doesn't mean – like not to mention Jacob deGrom, a big piece of that. They didn't even have him mm-hmm. this year. So the fact that, that they got this done without even having deGrom and Scherzer fully healthy, and then Adolis Garcia gets hurt during the World Series and he misses the last couple games – and they still get it done because these guys like Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, who they signed a couple years ago, stepped the hell up. And then you got those two guys that you brought in, and then you got a bunch of young talent as well. And you had the pitching. Like, Evaldi, Evaldi's going to go down as one of the greatest postseason pitchers ever with what he did in Boston and now what he did in Texas. There's just so there's so much there's so many storylines so much to talk about with this Rangers team like Bruce Bochy their manager this was the third team that he's taken to a pennant this is his fourth ring won three with the Giants then he's got one with Texas now and just completely turned them around they were a doormat in the AL West um, and then they 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 take down the King Heels in Houston <laughs> Houston Astros wipe them out on the road game six game seven see you later goodbye. And then dominate in the World Series. It was it, 
unbelievable what the Texas Rangers did. And I know for us, it was tough seeing guys like Jordan Montgomery, who the Cardinals traded, Adolis Garcia, who the Cardinals traded years ago, yeah, and to see what he's doing. Just like we had to watch Randy Rosarina a couple postseasons back, uh, another guy that we traded, dominate. And then, oh, by the way, the guy that started for the D-backs last night, Zach Allen, and gave up no hits through the first six innings. Yeah, he was a Cardinal too. Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham. The D- Funny story about Tommy Pham. Yeah. <laughs> I remember telling Tyler, I was like, bro, you're never going to believe who is hitting because at the time he was hitting third for Arizona. I was like, dude, Tommy Pham is the D-backs three-hitter. Then I also brought up the fact that they got Evan Longoria and – and this dude was just cracking up because <laughs> he couldn't believe that these two guys were in this lineup, and this lineup was raking. Credit to Tommy Pham right. too. We 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 uh we we make our jokes, but he had a hell of a postseason. He did. I mean, going into last night, he he was hit fifth in the lineup last night. I don't know where that came from. A guy that multiple teams mm-hmm. have let go of as the years have gone on, just unbelievable. And then, like I said, Rangers they they get. Jordan Montgomery from us at the deadline, along with Chris Stratton, one of those pieces that they bolstered that bullpen with. Um, and they knew that that bullpen was a weakness, and boy, did they get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, just unbelievable. Congratulations to any Rangers fans that might be watching. Um, I know it's been a, a long, long road since uh, 2011 when uh, David Freese broke their hearts when they had one, they were one strike away from winning their wor- first World Series then. So, I mean, it's just awesome. Good for Texas. We were there last weekend, and it was just buzzing. Yeah. Absolutely buzzing. Um, everybody rocking the Rangers. Yeah, and I just want to say, uh, if you guys keep seeing me look over, I'm just watching the game. I just saw the fucking D-hop. They tried to do a little throwback to him and then have him – throw it deep and it got blown up and then he ran across the field and somehow got like a five to six yard gain. Um, the other day, who would have thought the start to this game is about to be seven, seven, but either way that was, um, you know, an incredible run by both teams, right? I think both teams, the prior year had both what a hundred plus losses, I think. And they both make it to the world series. And with baseball, you just never know. It's not as it's the most unpredictable sport. NBA is probably the most predictable. NFL is usually pretty unpredictable, but you have a you have a general idea, like a handful of teams who are probably going to make it. And then baseball is by far the most unpredictable sport. Um, hockey's up there too, but dude, this fucking bug. Anyone else see this? <laughs> um, you know, we we might not see the Diamondbacks even make another postseason run for six, seven, eight more years. So what they did was. Great for the city. Uh, like Pat mentioned, I would never have expected that a team um, with Tommy Pham as their number three hitter and Evan Longoria as like their number four, five, or six hitter would have even made it into the postseason, let alone the World Series. And then, like he mentioned, Tommy Pham had a great postseason. He had a little bit of a slow start to the World Series, but then he went like four for four in game two, I think it was, but or game three. Um, but yeah, that's just great for baseball. I love to see shit like that. Yeah. And Arizona's stacked, um, with young talent. They'll be Mm -hmm. fine. You're going to see the D backs around. Hope uh, so. For sure. Yeah. They're, I mean, guys like 
Carroll and Moreno. I mean, those dudes are so young. Yeah. Um, and then Marte's getting up there a little bit, but Marte had an amazing postseason for them. Um, so if you just fill a couple holes, you know, and you already got good pitching. So we'll see. That's it. That's that's it for baseball, though. I mean, until until spring training. That's it. Mm. Moving on to a more sore subject, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders. Firing. Raiders. Firing their head coach, Josh McDaniels, and GM, David Ziegler. Ziegler, not sure, but those two were a tandem. They came in together. They leave together. Uh, I know they're boys. And good for the Raiders because this is something I thought McDaniels honestly should have got fired last year when they lost to Jeff Saturday's Colts when it was Jeff Saturday's first week coaching in Indy and they lost that game. Um, Not to mention they, they just pretty much kicked Derek Carr off the team without even like knowing what their next plan is. And then, Oh, well, I guess we're going to have to settle for Jimmy G. So, I mean, clearly that's a downgrade. Who knows what was going on with Josh Jacobs the last couple of years. You're not making him happy. Devontae Adams, credit to him. He wanted to go there. He wanted to play there. But he wanted to, he wanted to go there and play with his boy, Derek Carr. And then, like, to see that happen, to see what McDaniels went through with Darren Waller, it's just a clown, absolute clown show. Um what Josh McDaniels and, and I mean, I, I guess I got to put the GM in the same boat because he's making, he's making the moves too. And, and McDaniels kind of thinking like, you know, like he, he's little Belichick, you know, and he deserves this kind of like command and respect. Like he, he lost the locker room real quick, just like he did in Denver um, because that shit doesn't fly. Like you're not Bill Belichick. Uh, nobody, you can't come in here and, you know, have this like persona and, and mindset and run this shit like all militaristic um, without having anything on the resume for dudes to like respect you. Um, and, and you're not winning either. So when you're not winning, none of that shit's going to work. None of that shit's going to fly. Um, and they got some, they got some pieces with Josh Jacobs, Devonte Adams and Max Crosby is unbelievable. That dude is so good. Yeah, so good. Just wasting that prime away on that defense and on that team. So I feel really bad for those guys, but good for the Raiders as a whole. Um, I guess Aiden McConnell is going to be playing quarterback this week for him. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I just thought like the whole Jimmy G thing wasn't going to work from the start, but. And another thing is they had so many holes to fill and they made that Devontae Adams move. And it's like, yeah, I mean, a player of Devontae Adams' pedigree, you obviously want that on your team. But when you have so many holes to fill on your roster, just getting Devontae Adams isn't going isn't gonna to make you a winner. Uh, you're not going to be competing with, with Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, with, with just Devontae Adams on your team, and, and that's shown. Just weren't playing hard for McDaniels. You know, you never know when a team – underperforms kind of like as much as the Raiders have. But we say that, what are they? Are they three and five? 
I believe I like so. Yeah, they're not. It's not like they're, you know, only yep. have one win, but um, they're three and five. They're a couple of Jimmy Garoppolo missed throws away from possibly being in that game. They definitely would have covered plus seven if he made one of those throws. If he made two or three of those throws, who knows? They, they might have ended up winning the game. Um, but they stink. They should be better. I think they will get better. Um, Jimmy G, though, I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he's just not it. Maybe he's just not it, but that's all I got with them. They need to figure it out. For sure. I don't, I don't think he is it. Um, like you said, those those throws that he missed to Adams last night, you just can't. You can't be an NFL quarterback and miss those throws. That's, no. I mean, those are touchdowns. High school quarterbacks, yeah, high school quarterbacks complete those throws with ease. I mean, clean pocket to miss those, so bad. But let's move on to a segment, our first segment of the day, oh. and this is our heel of the week segment. Combination of heel of the week. And kind of like a, a daily rant, just because it was a heel action, so he deserves heel of the week. But also, it's something that's been, you know, getting at me for for years now. And that is Coach Dabo Sweeney. Heel, 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 Tara, heel of the week. Tyra, I don't know if you caught this, but. Uh, by the way, Clemson is four and four this year. Ha. Four and four um, in the ACC. Love that. But anyways, so he was he's on a he's on a radio show, and he gets a call in from this dude named Tyler. Um, calls him in, uh-huh. and he questions Dabo, saying, "Why is why is Dabo making?" million to go four and four this year. Um, And he went on for a little bit and then eventually Dabo just couldn't take it anymore. You know, his reputation just getting put on blast by this, uh, by this kid named Tyler shout out to him. (laughs) And he quote, this quote is, and he, uh, he had a dramatic, a, Tyler, like a disrespectful, like a disrespectful Tyler. Tyler is how he said it. (laughs) He goes, I've listened to enough of you. You can have all your opinions that you want. I don't know how old you are. Don't really care. But let me tell you something. We won 11 games last year, and you're part of the problem, to be honest with you. Because that is part of the problem. It's people like you that all you do, the expectation is greater than the appreciation, and that's the problem. And he says, so you know, we've won, uh, we've had 12 10-plus win seasons in a row. That's happened three times in 150 years. So if you want to know why Clemson ain't stiffed the national championship for 35 years, we've won two in the last seven. And then he finishes it off by talking about all these degrees that he has. He even references his his marriage. Um, And then he talks about, I worked so hard to get here. I came so far, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, dude, 
He is so insecure. He's such a whiner. He's such a bitch. <laughs> like the biggest sore loser I've like ever seen. Like this dude, when Clemson when Clemson was good, uh, he's he's sitting there puffing his chest out. You know, he's he's a, he's talking with talking in the same conversations with with Nick Saban, talking about being on that same level. The dude is the second highest paid coach in the NCAA, all right? So people are going to criticize you if you go four and four, buddy. That's how how it is. When you're making that much money to coach football and your team is four and four, and to be honest, has been pretty mediocre since Trevor Lawrence left. Oh, and by the way, the only success that you've really had as a head coach was with two worldly college quarterbacks in first Deshaun Watson and then Trevor Lawrence. So credit to him for, for getting those guys to go to Clemson amongst many other great players. But let's face it, since he had those two guys, uh, his program hasn't, hasn't been shit. So people are going to criticize you if you go four and four. And you need to wear it. You think Nick Saban would have ever responded to somebody like that, that insecure about and talking down to somebody like that? Like he's he literally sounds like a like a like a spoiled little girl, honestly, on that on that radio call being like, how dare you, you know, question question me as as a football coach. And this is just I'm just talking about football right now. I'm not even talking about dabble the person yet and why I root for him to fail is because I don't like the dude. I haven't liked the dude for quite some time. He's rubbed me the wrong way for years. Um, I pulled up just to, just to get a little bit of a, a timeline talking about Dabo Sweeney. In 2014, he was asked about paying college athletes. They were, they were just asking him, do you think it will ever happen? Do you think it will be good? He's quoted then, as far as paying players, professionalizing college athletics, that's where you lose me. I'll go do something else because there's enough entitlement in this world as it is. And then in 2019, when they start, they started uh, saying, hey, we are going to professionalize this. We are going to pay these guys. He threatened to leave for the NFL. <laughs> and then later signed an extension. But he can't take the fact that, hey, there might be players in this locker room that are more popular, more famous, uh, get more uh, uh, of the limelight than I do. He can't take that. He can't take it at all. So he never wanted you know, any of this NIL shit to come. I mean, why do you think the dude, every home game, he's the, he's the first one running down the hill. He's always got to be first before his team because it's all about fucking Dabo. Like, dude, give me a break. And to have, like, not even have the nuts to take it when somebody calls in from radio questioning you about being four and four. Like, think of any legendary coach. You think they're going to react like that to some random dude calling in on a radio show? No, because they're going to handle that with class. And they they know deep inside, yeah, I'm a great coach. I don't have to listen to this idiot, like. And I don't have to put him down either. You know, I don't have to talk down to him. Mm-hmm. Moving on, 2016, 
he responds to uh, the whole Colin Kaepernick saga, taking a knee uh, for what he believed in. And he was quoted by saying, some of these people need to move to another country. So that was that was a great look by Dabo. Uh, shout out to him for that one. Just to get a little more racist for Dabo, 2020, uh, fresh off of the the George Floyd tragedy that happened, um, all the Black Lives Matter movement that was going on. Dabo is publicly wearing a shirt that says "Football Matters," and it's like, dude to be so out of touch and ignorant like fuck you bro fuck you i mean there's there's kids that look up to you there's kids that you know see you as a leader and for you to put that out that's just that's not cool at all same year 2020 we're talking about covid year um oh and i i do want to point out yeah he has ran through He's got a good resume or whatever. The ACC hasn't been shit. Really hasn't since, I mean, since Jameis was at Florida State, ACC hasn't been shit. So, oh, congratulations, Dabo, for running through the ACC every year and getting a, a free spot in the college football playoff, you know? Like, of course, you're going to run through that conference the way that it was. And now that the ACC has actually, you know, picked it up, where's Clemson now? They're They're right here in the middle of the pack. So... 2020 COVID year, Florida State has to cancel a game because they had too many uh, COVID cases, which happened across the country. There were a ton of ton of those every week. There were there was teams that having to cancel. Dabo says that it was an excuse. Florida State had to cancel because they didn't want to play him. It was an excuse. He said when he got criticized for that, obviously, he said, "I'm not really." worry too much about what they say down there in Tallahassee. I've been in this league 18 years. I've been head coach for 12. They've had three head coaches in four years. Congratulations, dude. Everybody knows what your fucking stats are. Let's just rub it in everybody's like when you have to constantly tell people, Hey, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know, bro? That is so pathetic. Like, you're not comfortable in your own skin. That is so pathetic that you have to say shit like that, you know, to make yourself feel good or whatever to, because you think it's it's boosting your image. It's not. You look like an idiot, and everybody grows tired of that shit pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and then what really uh, set me over the edge with Dabo is when we played him. 2021 um, college football playoff. He said Ohio State deserved to be ranked 11th in the country, didn't deserve to be in the college football playoff that year, uh, and we proceeded to spank that ass in the college football playoff. Uh, that was Trevor Lawrence's last game at Clemson, and uh, whew, mm. Dabo took it on the chin that night uh, after saying a team – Deserved to be ranked 11th in the country. Justin Fields lit his ass up. Um, I I still remember that game. That was phenomenal, phenomenal night for me. Um, but shit like this, I we're gonna continue to see this shit from from Dabo Sweeney. I mean, 
especially if they keep losing because he's he's a sore loser. He's a whiner. And he, think about this. Nick Saban lost one game this year, and there's you're seeing that ESPN. Is the Alabama dynasty over? Is Nick Saban going to retire? Is da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. That's after one game. One game. That's the kind of pressure that Nick Saban deals with every single day. Every single day he deals with that pressure. And how many times do you see this garbage coming from Nick Saban? Never. Not once. Dabo, you have four losses, dude. Four <laughs> losses. In one year. In one year. Could be more. Just grinds my gears, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, what a fucking baby. <laughs> I mean, what a fucking baby, dude. He's just, uh, he's a fucking heel. Heel of the week. Heel of the week. Heel of the week. Let's move on to another segment that we like to call Say It and Grade It. Grade It. Tyler, say it and grade it. James Harden. Gets traded from the Philadelphia 76ers to the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> yeah, I am uh, giving, I guess, the overall move. I'd probably give uh, A minus. A minus for the Clippers. Um, probably like a B, B plus for the 76ers. I mean, the Clippers get James Harden, and we all know if James Harden is motivated and in shape, he can be one of the better players in the league, even at his age. As much as um, I used to hate watching him play, I'm still not a big fan of watching his game. I think he's just uh, at times can be a flop artist, just tries to draw way too many fouls, but the NBA allowed that for a long time. So he took advantage of it. So I'm not blaming him, but I was just like, I just didn't enjoy watching him play. Um, But he's still one of the better players in the league. So you add him to a cast that already has Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, which I think, I think Westbrook is going to come off the bench. He might not, maybe he'll start, but yeah, he, I think he might come off the bench. Um, But aside from, you know, you have those four and then it's like, what's the surrounding cast? So, you know, Zubach um, is a very solid starting center in the league. Terrence Mann, solid. Uh, you know, a couple other pieces. I think they have Norman Powell. Um, I think Highland. Is it Highland Bones? Bones. Uh, yeah, so they got some solid pieces to, to back those guys up because obviously when you trade for a star player, it's about what you give up and then the depth behind that now that you've given up that what do you get in return? And I think with Harden, they also got PJ Tucker. And that was kind of a big get in that trade, in my opinion, because PJ Tucker is, um, you know, kind of like a lockdown defender still to this day, who's just going to sit in the corner on offense and just make the right plays. That's what PJ Tucker does. He makes the right play. He plays hard defense. He's a great locker room team chemistry guy. So that's a big get along with Harden. So I'm going to give the Clippers uh, an A minus. For that trade, and then on the flip side, I think I'm going to settle with like a B for the for the Sixers because when you're trading someone of this magnitude, which is tough, I feel like you know, I'm I'm giving them a tough grade just because they didn't really have a choice. Like they kind of had to trade this guy because he, he said he's just not going to play. I mean, and that's what apparently NBA players can do. They can just choose 
who they want to play for, even if they signed a contract, um, which is, you know, they, in football it happens too. But like Jonathan Taylor, he came back. He's playing for the Colts now. So who knows? But either way, the Clippers um, or the 76ers, excuse me, in return got Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, K.J. Martin, unprotected first-round pick in 28, and then a couple second-round picks, um, and then a 2029 pick swap with an additional first-round pick for the Thunder. So, you you know, they they did get some good draft capital. So I think with time, like, maybe I'll I'll feel a little better with it and upgrade to, like, a B-plus. But it's, like, it's all about, um, like, right now, right? Like, right now, did your team get better? Yes and no, right? Like, if you keep James Harden and he plays for your team, no. But with him not wanting to play, you get rid of him. The pieces that you get back, like, they're solid role players, like Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum. They're solid role players. So it's like, you know, I don't hate it. I don't hate it for the Sixers, but I feel like I feel like they could have done better. But they did get good draft capital, so, you know, I don't hate the trade. A- minus for the Clippers. B for the Sixers. Heard that. Just want to touch on James Harden. I just talked about crybaby Dabo. <laughs> James Harden is such a bitch, dude. I can't. He is the epitome of what is wrong with the NBA today. Like, what is this? His third trade in three years? Yeah. Something crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like he's he's not happy no matter what. Can't get along with anybody. I mean, he gets paid by these teams, and then it's, oh, I, I don't want to be here anymore. He was the man in Houston. Daryl Morey. Right? He was the man in Houston. Yeah. Then he wanted to go team up in Brooklyn. Then he wanted to go team up in Philadelphia. And I wants to go team up in L.A. It's like, cut, you know, cut me a break. For real. Like, that shit is so old to me. And that's why the NBA is, I mean – in my opinion, it's there's some aspects of the NBA that are uh, just a fucking joke, yeah. and I'd rather rather that's shit like that makes me prefer hockey. But uh, <laughs> moving on, we'll talk a little more about the NBA. Um, speaking of the NBA being desperate, is this in season tournament that's about to start tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Like, what is going on with this shit? Like, it's literally gotten to the point where they need to have an in-season tournament just to get these guys to play. I mean, for the games to mean something to them, for them not to take a night off, that they're getting paid millions to play basketball because that's too much for them. So let's let's make an in-season tournament so the games mean more. And, hey, maybe maybe they'll suit up for these because it's an in-season tournament. Like, what's yeah. a joke? Say it and grade it, though, Tyler. The NBA in-season tournament. Yeah. I mean, a C? I mean, it was like, a C for will see. It's like, it's the first year. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of context on it. Like, we don't really know what to expect. Um, I All I've heard on the in-season tournament was, like, ESPN getting – owners opinions or former players opinions but like i still don't even really know i haven't done my research on the tournament and i haven't heard much about it i just feel like there's no context on it and 
I don't even know. Like what when a team wins the tournament, what do they get? So it's uh, apparently it's it's a round robin. Like now they're doing the round robin now, and then in a few weeks is when they have like the the next rounds down the line and like so we're not going to have a champion like coming up soon this is like the round robin stage and then they're going to stretch it out to uh later on as far as finding out who actually wins the thing huh okay and then when they do win it (laughs) you know what i mean probably some corny ass trophy yeah Um, I'm gonna give it a C. Got to reward. Got to reward these NBA guys as much as we can. Um, everybody gets a trophy <laughs> nowadays, especially in the NBA. Got to keep those guys happy. Just got to do it. So, yeah, good for the NBA. Yeah. You got anything else on that? No, just to giving it a C for we'll see. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Right. This could end up being something fun to watch, but I doubt it. Moving on to a bigger, better league, the NFL. We had a trade deadline happening this week. Got some trades to talk about. Say it and grade it, Tyler. Montez Sweat traded to the Chicago Bears for a second-round pick from the Washington Commanders. I got a rock of piss, but I'll be able to hear you. Uh, B minus. You know, like... I, I think Montez Sweat is a good player. Uh, I don't know how many years he has left on his contract, but you give up a second-round pick for Montez Sweat, and like I don't I feel like they could have done better. Like if you're going to give up a second-round pick, and this is gonna this is gonna kind of go into somebody else we're going to talk about, but you know the uh, 49ers go out and get Chase Young for a third. So when you look at that in comparison, you're like, okay, the Bears gave up. Both are expiring contracts. Both are expiring contracts. So the Bears give up a second for Montez Sweat, and the Niners give up a third for Chase Young. Like, I get it. You know, the the dialogue or you know around Montez Sweat is he's a good player, but he's a great person. He's a great locker room guy. That's all good and gravy, but we're talking about a second-round pick for an expiring contract. And when people think of Montez Sweat, I don't know too many people who are like, yeah, that that's a number one guy right there. So if you're giving up a second-round pick for an expiring contract for a DN, he'd better be one of the better DNs in the league, and I don't think that's Sweat. So I'm going to give the Bears a B-minus for that one. I think that he is a solid player, good locker room guy, might be good for their team. I don't love it, though. B minus. Here's the thing with me I'm going to touch on. This trade would be an A minus for me if the Bears were a contending football team. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you're not going anywhere this year, you're going to have to pay this guy now instead of paying a rookie for four years, which is going to be cheap, obviously. Yep. Now you have to pay this guy. Granted, if he wants to, if he wants to stay there, and I'm sure they had talks with his agent um, and there was some mutual interest or else I don't think you're giving up a second-round pick. I, I mean, I would hope so. Right. Um, 
to go into at that blind would be crazy. But to me, yeah, it's like the 49ers give up a third. Um, and we could just tie that in. We could tie the Chase Young trade into this conversation too since we're already talking about it. Yeah. 49ers are loaded. I mean, they just need better play from their quarterback. They need to get healthy. And then they need to give Nick Bosa help on that D-line. Um, so for them to give up a third for Chase Young to pair up with Nick Bosa, not to mention they got Randy Gregory for nothing, not to mention they got Drake Jackson, rookie, not to mention they got Hargrave uh, and Armstrong in the middle. Like, or Armstead, excuse me. Yeah. That team is ready to make a run. So for them to give up a third for Chase Young, that's that's that could, that's probably a plus. I would say yes. at at the lowest, it's a B plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Bears, I mean, just hang out of those picks. Like you give up a second rounder last year for Claypool when you're going nowhere, and it's like there's there's players in the draft. Like that's why you scout. I mean, you can find second-round guys who are going to be all pro. You know what I mean? Like, Montez Sweat is really good, don't get me wrong. But is he? he's not a, he's not a Nick Bosa. He's not TJ Watt. He's not Aaron Donald. Like, he's not a guy who you can – for me, I'm not, like – I'm not giving up, you know, my assets for a guy who might be, like, really good. I'm doing it for a guy who's – going to take me over the top right now and that team's just not there um so that was that was a little mind-boggling to me Mm -hmm. i mean they do need players on that defense you need guys um so hopefully they'll have him going forward with with an extension i don't love it though i'd I'd say c plus um and the part of the chase young i'd say it it, at at its best it's going to be an a plus Mm-hmm. And he's going to be playing in meaningful playoff games, you know, having fun, a lot more fun than he was having at Washington. Not to mention he's paired up with his old college teammate who is his mentor in Nick Bosa. I mean, former Ohio State teammates, those guys back together, that's, that's fucking scary. So yeah. I'd say C-plus for Sweat, and I'd say A-minus but very well could be A-plus. If Chase Young's healthy, it's going to be an A-plus uh, going down the line. Yeah, I'd say A to A-plus for the Chase trade. Like, you're you're talking when, when Chase Young is healthy, that he's he could be one of the most disruptive DNs in the league along with some of those top guys that you already have named. Um, Chase Young's only problem has been staying healthy. But he's so far this year, he's healthy, right? He's healthy, he's playing. And you only have to give up a third round pick. And I thought like third round pick for Chase Young, kind of a steal. And then when you look at the second round pick the Bears gave up for Sweat, it's just like it's like you mentioned, it's mind boggling. I just don't understand what the Bears were doing. Um Yeah. Yeah. So A A plus for the Chase trade, B minus for the sweat. Yeah. Well, that's it for say it and grade it, but I do want to talk about some other trades that went down. Leonard Williams gets traded from the Giants to Seattle. Good for the Giants, um, realizing, hey, you know, let's let's pack it in a little bit. Got Leonard Williams out. That guy's been rotten in in New York for a minute now, um, and he goes to a team that 
Uh, he's really going to help that D line, um, mm-hmm. which has been a lot better than people think. But to get him there now is going to be huge, and I'm sure he's going to absolutely love playing in Seattle. Bills trade for Raziel Douglas from Green Bay. Huge move for Buffalo because they have been struggling at corner since White went down. Elam is just not it. He looks like a bust, honestly. And credit to being the GM, being like, hey, we, we got a weakness here and we got to do something about it. I mean, doubling down on your mistakes is the worst thing you could do as a GM. I mean, knowing that Elam might not be who you thought he was and to just constantly hoping it's going to change and not addressing it, not doing anything about it while your team is this good and ready to make a run. Um, credit to Bean. I thought that was a great move because Douglas has played in some really big games um, in his career. Um, he's a dog at corner, honestly. He could play inside. He could play outside. He's physical. And he's a ball hawk, too. Um, what I didn't love from Buffalo is signing Leonard Fournette. I mean, why – the hell do they hate James Cook so much? I mean, I constantly talk about get James Cook the football because he's really fucking good out of the backfield, catching the ball and running the rock. And then you sign another back. Um, you're already giving Murray touches. And now you bring in Leonard Fournette. I mean, I don't understand it. Maybe they see it as a goal line back, but it, to me it's just taking – more opportunities from James Cook, which I don't agree with because I think he's an explosive player. Josh Dobbs gets traded from Arizona to Minnesota after he gets benched in Arizona. Kirk Cousins sadly tears his eight, uh, Achilles. Uh, feel bad for Kirk because he was really balling these last few weeks. Um, so the Vikings end up with Josh Dobbs. We'll see what happens with that. Probably the most underrated move of the trade deadline was the Jaguars making a move for a guard from Minnesota, Ezra Cleveland. Um, they felt like they had a weakness there on, on the interior of that O-line. So good for them bulking that up. Um, I thought they might do something, um, get a pass rusher, maybe a, a Daniel Hunter. But I guess they like what they're seeing from Trayvon Walker. I mean, obviously, they looking back, they probably know they should have taken – Aiden Hutchinson, but they it's gonna hopefully it gets better and better for Trayvon Walker. Um, and he's got Josh Allen in that in that room as a mentor. So Jags beef up the old line. Um, and last move I got is the Lions getting a big possession receiver, uh, DPJ Donovan Peoples Jones from Cleveland. Uh, he's playing back in Michigan now. I think. That they just got stronger as an offense. It's just another weapon for Jared Goff. Um, out of those moves I went through, you got anything to touch on? I mean, my most non-biased opinion is that I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is a very underrated receiver. I know coming into the league, he wasn't a high draft pick. I think it was like the sixth round, <laughs> and people kind of viewed him as more of just like a return guy who had small upside as a receiver, but I think he's actually proven he's he can be a, a solid receiver, and you add him to an offense where he doesn't have to be the guy, of course. He can he can play you know, third, fourth fiddle behind St. Brown, Reynolds, and Jamison Williams, and you add him to the mix. It's just, like you said, another weapon for, for Goff in that offense. So I love that trade for the Lions. I love the Cleveland trade, or Ezra Cleveland trade for the Jags. 
And um, yeah, still the biggest question mark was that Lenny signing from the Bills. I don't understand what they were thinking there. I, I know Damian Harris is hurt, but like once he comes back, now you have four backs. And who's now who's going to not touch the ball? So, uh, but yeah, I, I thought the Bills needed to do something on the defensive end. The Douglas move was big for them. I think uh, Matt Mattis called me before we started recording and said they signed Linval Joseph as well to help beef up the middle. So hopefully that works out. I know he's kind of an old head, and we'll see how much yeah, he has I'm not sure how much tank. he's got in the tank, but mm-hmm. they got they – got, uh, I was about to say they got depth, but they, they did lose uh, – Jones, their D tackle. So I'm sure that was a need mm-hmm. um, to get something on the interior of that D line. Yep. Speaking of, we, we brought up uh, old Michigan boy, DPJ. Let's talk a little bit about your Michigan Wolverines. Um, it's starting to get real loud, and the heat is turning up a notch on those Wolverines. <laughs> Um, all this shit with Connor Stallions coming out, uh, 500, 600 page manifesto about Michigan taking over, seeing them on the sidelines undercover at central Michigan games. Um, at first when I, when I heard all of this, I was like, the fact that it's illegal to record at an opposing game is wild to me because it's, it's that shit's legal in the NFL. But for that shit to be illegal in college, that was wild to me. But I wasn't aware of the extent that all this was heading, and it's getting it's getting uglier and uglier. It seems by the day with all these yeah. this new information that's coming out about um, everything that he was doing and. I know the Big Ten, all the Big Ten ADs, coaches got on a call with the uh, president of the Big Ten just voicing their concerns and how they wanted something to be done right now about it. We know nothing's going to happen this year. Like Michigan's going to play it out. Harbaugh's going to remain the coach, um, and then he'll probably leave after this season. But for the time being, it's not like anything's going to happen. And if anything – Harbaugh will get them to use this as motivation. So, Tyre, what are your thoughts as a Michigan fan? Um, I I don't think this Connor Stallions guy is on their payroll. I think he's an imposter. He uh, is cl- – no, I'm just kidding. This dude is clearly um, psychotic, though. Anybody who writes a manifesto that's five to 600 pages long and it's all about one singular goal to become the face of Michigan football. Like, do you, there's a screw loose somewhere. And, uh, I mean, the dude dressing up as like an, another coach for another team and he sneaks his way on the sideline. Like it's just incredible <laughs> what this dude did, the extent that he went to. And I mean, think about it though. Do you really think that Jim Harbaugh, would be that concerned about Central Michigan that he would send Connor Stallion to the game to steal signals? No. Well, I think they were playing. I think they were playing uh, Michigan State. 
no, there was, was no, there's just a lot of there was a lot of different games that Stallions went to, you know, and, and oh one of for them, Central Michigan, yeah, one of them was a Central Michigan game, and and Michigan ended up playing Central Michigan that year, and it's like, it, I I don't think that Jim Harbaugh is really like the mastermind behind this. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to believe that he would have no clue what's going on, so no matter what, like he's at fault here no matter what. So he's definitely gone after this year. I, I think there's a 1% chance that Harbaugh sticks around in college after this season. I hope that the whole team uses it as motivation and they go and they win. Um, you know, they win it all this year, but it's a tall task. There's a lot of distraction going on right now. So luckily, I don't think Michigan has – a big game this Saturday. I think it's next Saturday is the big game, but I'd have to take another look at their schedule. But yeah, I mean, the dude's yeah, Penn state's coming up. Yeah. The dude is just, like I said, he's, he's definitely has a screw loose. This is uh this is a one of a kind story. So I hope everybody enjoys it while it lasts, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's wild to say the least. It is. Let's move on to the men's league and let's talk some NFL football, baby. We got Titans Steelers going on right now. It is 10-7 Titans, but the Steelers are on Tennessee eight-yard line. Um, Steelers offense stalled, stalled a little bit since that first drive, but this, I mean, we we were talking about it before. This is the best, uh, best the Steelers offense has looked in some time. Titans... Titans are, are doing Titans things. Um, Derrick Henry, he's got 10 carries for 46 yards in, in the tutty right now. Hopkins has got 51 yards receiving. So Levis is continuing to build that chemistry. Mayo, God, Will Levis Ooh. getting D-hop the ball, something Tannehill was struggling to do. And when you do that, Titans are going to be in games. Um, so we'll continue to follow that. It's about to be halftime, so we'll get a little – break from that um but let's get on let's get out of the sunday slate let's talk let's talk about this germany matchup yeah. first of all it sucks that literally the game that everybody is stoked for dolphins chiefs is 9 30 a.m on the east coast over Oof. in germany take that game away from us uh what a day to start or excuse me, what a game to start the Sunday slate. Yeah, but I just feel like that's that's not a good spot for that game. Talking about it, though, Miami looked good last week against New England. Jalen Ramsey's back, got a pick. Kansas City takes an L on the road in Denver. I know that, that was a hot topic all week for Kansas City losing. Mahomes was sick, yes, but he still needed, he still needed to play better. Um, and they got to figure out that receiving core because I don't know if Sky Moore is it. Uh, I really don't know. I mean, Rice is coming along well. Then obviously Kelsey's going to be Kelsey, but they need somebody else um, on the outside to step up for them. This is this is an incredible matchup, though. Chiefs right now are, are giving up one. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh. I mean, who the fuck decided to put this game in Germany? That's 
my that's my first takeaway. I I don't know why they decided to put this one over in Germany, but whatever. Um, you know, I hope I hope the good people out in Germany enjoy it. It's going to be a great game. I heard something the other day, which I never thought about, but when the Chiefs drafted Sky Moore, they passed on George Pickens. So that's something to think about if you're a Chiefs fan, right? Like, what if you had George Pickens right now? You probably feel a lot better about your receiving core. But that's something I thought that the Patriots were going to, um, you know, make a move for and kind of address at the deadline was to get another receiver. But maybe they feel confident in Mahomes' ability to lead anybody. And that's kind of what their receiving core is at this point. Anybody. So I I don't – right now I'm looking at it. DraftKings has the Chiefs giving two. Dolphins are getting two. The over-unders at 51. Um, Dolphins are coming off of an L. I be, No, they're not. No, they're not. They won last week. Yeah, they beat New England. Yes. No, I was I was thinking the week before. So they beat New England. The Chiefs, the Chiefs are coming off of an L. Mm, there's no home matchup in this, obviously. It's in Germany. I uh, he could toss up here. Toss up. I'm going to probably end up going with the Dolphins. I think the Steelers just settled for a field goal, by the way. So 10-10 there. But I would have to go with the Dolphins. I just like what Ramsey brings to their defense uh, moving forward. I think that I think they have the Dolphins have too much talent on the defensive side to just continue to be as bad as they have been as a unit this year. Uh, I think that the Chiefs have too many question marks on the receiving end. I know last week Mahomes was you know flu game, so he wasn't at his best. He should be good and healthy, but he's going to be traveling sick. That could not be the best you know for him. But, uh, yeah, I just think too many – I don't know. It's, it's a tough one for me, honestly. I, 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 know, I don't feel great about this game, but I would probably side with the Dolphins here at plus two. You know, maybe this line changes and you can get two and a half or three. But, uh, yeah, I'd probably side with the Dolphins on this one. Interesting. Very interesting going against Mahomes, uh, only giving up two. We know what the stat is of when he's a dog and when he's given up less than three. Yeah. His numbers are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But like you said, that there is question marks with the receiving core right now. And who knows how uh how healthy he be he'll be, uh if he if any of that sickness is still lingering. Um I still like I still like the Chiefs in this game, though. I think, yeah, the Dolphins have a lot of really good pieces on that defense. But I don't think um, as a unit they're there yet. I think their defense will get a lot better as the year goes on when those guys play together. But I just don't think right now – I still think they're feeling each other out. They're still getting used to uh, Vic Fangio's defense. Um, But I I do think they will be a really good defense by the end of the year. I just – I don't think that's going to – impact my decision on this game too much right now uh from where they're at but it should be exciting um not to mention there is something to be said if anybody in if there is any team in the league that could slow down Tyreek just a little bit 
I would think it's the team that, you know, he came from Kansas City. Um, so they're going to have an edge on that. Um, unlike anybody, I mean, there there is no edge trying to stop Tyreek Hill, but that's an advantage that they have that nobody else has in the fact that Tyreek Hill used to play for them. So we'll see if that has an impact on it. Dolphins still have a lot of weapons. Tua looks good. Um, O-line is a little banged up right now. Kansas City defense, we've been pumping them up. Mm-hmm. They did put Nick Bolton on the IR, which is a huge loss for them. Yeah, um, we'll see what happens with that. That That is a huge loss for them. Um, but hopefully he comes back in a few weeks and he's fully healthy to ride it out with them. Moving on to another pretty good game, and that's the Seattle Seahawks at the Baltimore Ravens. Love this one. I want to start this one off with uh, the bad beat of the week last week, and that was the Baltimore Ravens-Arizona Cardinals game. Baltimore was giving up eight and a half on the road in Arizona. They were up 10 late in that game. All they needed was an onside – or excuse me, all they needed to do was recover an onside kick, and that was it. If you bet the Ravens, you win, you cover – and what happens? Onside kick goes to Nelson Aguilar, who for some reason's on the hands team. Mr. Hands himself. And he he muffs it. Arizona gets the ball. That's not even the end of it either. Arizona <laughs> goes down the field, kick a field goal. They miss the field goal, but there was a delay of game. What are the chances? So they get a re-kick because of the delay of game. And, of course, they make the field goal to bring it within seven. And just like that, if you were on the Ravens' side, you lose. Um, just just a tough, tough beat if uh, you had the Ravens last week. I'm very sorry to hear that. Ravens, they, they continue to play with their food a little bit with these weaker teams in the league. And then you see a couple weeks ago what they did at Detroit, like what they're capable of. But I feel like they always play down their competition for a bit. I mean, they lost to Indy earlier in the year with Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Um, but this is a game that the Baltimore Ravens are going to be up for uh, facing mm-hmm. Seattle. This is a game that, that you're ready for. Um, and I think that place is going to be rocking. I think Lamar is going to be dialed in. Um, Seattle has had some questions uh, with their pass pro, and I think the Ravens, the Ravens defense can get after Geno. Um, and I expect I expect Lamar to do Lamar things on Sunday. Um, what do you What do you think about this one? I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. I I do think that this line is interesting, though. Um, when I look at Seattle getting six, I kind of, I kind of like it, um, but I don't like it enough. I think, I mean, I think Seattle is is a bit underrated as well. Um, like, I don't think that, I don't think Seattle's too far off. Um, I would have expected this to be more like a four and a half to five point spread. So I I do kind of like the six without doing really too much research into this, you know, and then obviously they just got the 
the addition of Leonard Williams. Um, I think that I think they're starting to, you know, Gino is starting to play a little better too. I think he had a slow start to the year, but Gino's like starting to pick it up and play like how he was last year. But the Ravens are, you know, like Pat mentioned, they play down in their competition sometimes when they play lesser teams, but they're rolling right now, right? They're kind of like they're clicking. I like, I, like, I just like what Lamar's doing. I like everything he's doing right now. So th- this is another one, kind of like that Dolphins Chiefs line. I'll, I'm like, eh, go with the Dolphins. This one, safe play. You take the Ravens, but I, I also, I don't know. I'm fifty fifty on this one too. I, I do like the Seahawks because I think six is a lot for as good as the Seahawks are. But, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of just agree with you though on, on pretty much everything you said. Yeah, I failed to mention Seattle did pull it off last week at home against Cleveland. But this is a game on that 1 o'clock slate that, yeah, we're both pretty excited for. Yeah. Moving on to the Arizona Cardinals with new quarterback uh, Clayton Toon is his name. At Cleveland, what a a game to uh, introduce your new quarterback. Going against that Cleveland yeah, good, defense and the dog pound. Good luck, buddy. So uh, that'll be interesting. Arizona's at one and seven right now. They battled last week in Baltimore, um, but they don't have Josh Dobbs anymore. I feel like this one. This one's going to be tough on that offense. Kyler apparently will be back. You know, in a couple weeks, we'll see what happens with that. I don't really know what the point of that is. Um, what their plan is to me, I would just get them as completely healthy as possible until the off season. And then if you want to trade them, trade them. If, if you want to ride with them, ride with them, but at least he's healthy and you're not throwing them out there on a bad team. That isn't going to do anything, go anywhere anyways. Um, Cleveland, they're a little banged up obviously still, but this is, this is a spot where, I look for a, a big response from, from Cleveland after uh, after last week in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're getting eight. The over-under is 37 and a half. I mean, if anything, on this game, I would probably – I don't want to take a Browns under again, but, <laughs> you know, like I feel like maybe you tease the over – or excuse me, tease the total and take the under – sitting at 37 and a half right now. I have no idea what to expect from this Arizona Cardinal. Is this good a rookie? He's got to be a rookie, right? Might not be. Adam. He might be. I've never I heard of him. First or second year. Never heard of him. You have no idea what to expect. Like the offense already struggled enough, um, which that's the thing with Dobbs too. Like I'll touch on Dobbs. The dude plays his best football against top competition. He's one of those guys. He plays to his competition. When they play mediocre teams or lesser teams, he plays bad. When they play great teams, he plays great. I don't know anything about this kid who Arizona is starting. Um, the Browns are sticking with uh, PJ Walker, I take it, or is Deshaun Watson healthy this week? PJ, PJ. So I don't know. I think eight's a lot um, with these both these offenses kind of being like a toss up week to week. You, I, I would probably fade if you if you don't feel comfortable taking the points here or taking the over under excuse me i would fade the browns probably down to two and a half 
and then take that at minus two and a half or tease the total points and then take the under. But this, this game just has way too many question marks and variances to it that I don't, I would not feel comfortable betting on this game. Yeah. I'm looking at it now and it's saying the status for Murray and Watson are unknown right now. Um, I highly doubt Kyler plays. No, but if Watson plays, I honestly that doesn't really change anything for me the way that he's looked this year. Yeah. Um, if anything, they, they're probably going to turn the ball over more if he's out there <laughs> the way he's looked. So yeah, um, that doesn't really alter my opinion. But like you said, it's there's so much unknown. We don't know what that Arizona offense is going to look like at all. Um, the in like you said, do you tease? Do you you tease the under possibly um but at the same time what if cleveland routes them you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then and then arizona gets some points late in the game when they're chasing so this is I, i'm i'm on same page as you staying away from this one i feel like one of these sides is a sucker bet i just don't know which one it is but one of these is a classic vegas sucker bet i just can't figure out which one it is yet but we'll we'll find out sunday we will. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are on a bit of a skid right now. At Houston, going against the Texans, who took a rough loss against Carolina last week, giving them their first win. Um, talk about team bouncing back. It's That's what I expect the Texans to do. I think the Texans are a good football team. I think they're a better team than the Bucs, honestly, right now, especially their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, with their run game, pass game, and a defense that is hungry, and they're going to be playing at home, and they love playing for their coach. I think this is a good spot for Houston to bounce back. Again, tough loss last week against Carolina, but that's going to happen when, when you got such a young team and you're still uh, still building that culture. You're going you're gonna to have tough losses like that, but I, I like the Texans in this game to uh, get back on track and get to 500. Yeah, I mean, the the Texans, I believe they lost on – it was a last-second field goal. Bryce Young had a you know good drive, a um, little fourth-quarter comeback for the kid. So it's not like the Texans played bad. It was just a – you know, it was a tough-fought game. Carolina coming off a bye week. Um, I feel like Bryce Young was motivated to prove, like, hey, this is why I was the number one pick because uh, I'm sure he heard a lot of noise about C.J. Stroud playing a lot better than he has this year and you know him him feeling that pressure as being the number one pick uh so i agree with you here i, I do like the texans minus two and a half uh this is one though that tampa like this feels like a classic tampa spot to cover um but i i'm i'm sick of putting my money in baker's hands so I'm going to go two and a half, ride with the kid from Ohio State. Um, close close to being a juicy bet for me, but but I, I, I can't quite get there yet um, on the Texans. But I do like them at minus two and a half, so I think that's the play here. Pat, Pat, can't hear you. It is halftime in Pittsburgh. Will Levis goes down the field. 
gets three points, 13-10, Tennessee. Wow. He is slinging it right now all over the field. He's made some good really throws. Good. I saw him. He really I, has. I saw him dodge dodge some pressure, and then there was a D lineman that was falling that came down at his feet. He tiptoed around it and then kind of like off of his back foot threw one down the sideline and hit and hit Westbrook just kind of like on a dime for like 20, 25-yard gain. It's like Tannehill's not making that throw. He's just not. No. Uh, so I honestly, I am like, I'm liking a lot what I've been seeing from him so far. Right. It, it was, it was, I mean, we talked about Tannehill and we, we ranted about him in the past, just how we couldn't take it anymore it, for that game to see Will Levis against Taylor Heineke taking over for Atlanta late in that game. That was like from the football fans across the league. Thank you, you know, for, for giving us, for giving us this instead of, Tannehill, Desmond Ritter. Um, we'll get to Desmond Ritter, but yeah, that was that was refreshing to see last week, to say the least. Let's get on to the Chicago Bears at the New Orleans Saints. Chicago coming off that Sunday night loss uh, in LA against the Chargers. Uh, it's <laughs> we talk. They got Montez Sweat now, but this is. I didn't mention either in the the trade talks that their corner uh, Jalen Johnson requested a trade this week and then nobody bid on it, I guess. They're asking prices too high. Yeah. Him, him going back in that locker room after, after that is, uh, it's gotta be a bit awkward, but um, talking about the New Orleans saints. How about that? How about that offense? We killed them uh, going into last week, how boring they, they've been. Mm-hmm. They were taking shots down the field, getting heat involved, um, and that's what we wanted to see from New Orleans. We wanted to take, wanted to see Derek Carr, you know, going vertical down the field, uh, get getting these weapons, the ball, outside of just dumping it off to Kamara. So that was great to see from the Saints, and I want to keep seeing that. I expect to see that against this Bears defense. I expect them to keep growing, um, and and. If their offense can be anything like it was last week, it's going to be with paired up with that defense. Now we're we can really start talking about the Saints, just like we were at the beginning of the season about potentially winning that division. Because mm-hmm. um, who knows with Atlanta and then Tampa being what it is, so that that division is still right there for the taking. And if their offense can continue to take leap by leap. Uh, week after week, it's 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 in their hands, really. I just want to say thank you to the Saints for finally allowing Derek Carr to open it up, right? But I mean, we don't truly know if this was all on Derek Carr, or if it was on the OC, as far as him just dumping it off every time. I feel like you can't put the blame on one specific, so we'll just kind of group them together and say they were both bad, but. It's great to see him finally running some play action, which is what he's been great at in his career. And you can do that off of the run game with Kamara. So instead of dropping back and throwing it three yards down the field to Kamara, hammer the run and then play action off of it. And you have guys who can run down the field. Shahid, Olave, Michael Thomas is elite at running those short and intermediate routes. Let him work the middle of the field. 
and let those other guys who have speed. Slant boy. Yes, let those other guys who have speed, you know, carry the safeties out, clear out the middle of the field. So um, I do like what they've been doing the last two weeks. Really, it was the second half of that game against the Jags where they finally started to turn a corner. And we were like, holy shit, maybe they figured something out. And then it carried into last week. Um, so I fully, fully expect it to carry into this week against the Bears. Um, I do think that eight and a half is a lot, uh, but it's not unachievable. The way the way that their their defense plays, you got um, Badgent. You know, it's, it's not like he's impressed us the way that like Will Levis has so far. Um, I don't think Badgent's terrible, but I don't think that the Bears are going to cover eight and a half in this one. So I, I like the Saints at eight and a half in this. Um, and then to kind of touch on that point, you mentioned like now the Saints are in that conversation kind of with the Falcons for that division. Um, and, and aren't they like the same team, right? Both of those teams have a great defense, great, great run. Well, I'd say great running backs. They have good running backs, good receiving core, good weapons, right? Solid offensive lines. They're just the quarterback. The quarterback play is the question mark for both of those teams. And, you know, you're kind of seeing it right now. Derek Carr, when he plays like how we know Derek Carr can play, the Saints look really good. For the Falcons, we saw a mediocre at-best quarterback in Desmond Ritter lead them to an above 500 record, but then he gets benched last week. Well, I say benched. He got hurt and then didn't come back in, and they let Heineke, and then Heineke kind of kind of tore it up, right? In that second half, I think, put up 20 points. Puts points on the board. Yeah, 20 points. The, I don't, the Falcons probably have been averaging 20 points a game this year, and Heineke comes in the second half and puts 20 points up. So let the fucking kid eat. Leave him in. Let him eat. Try to do your team and your organization a favor and win. Don't worry about development and possible lost on investment in Ritter, I don't give a shit. Play the guy who you know is going to get you points and win the ball game for you. And I feel like it's a no-brainer. Maybe I'm the idiot here. I don't know. But I feel like Heineke is the no-brainer over Ritter. I hope they stick with Heineke and he keeps continues to put up points. I hope the Falcons win and they move on from Ritter. But I like the Saints in this one, minus eight and a half. Yeah, completely echo everything you just said. Um, and we've had this conversation about a, another team. It's not ringing a bell. To, oh, it was about the Giants with Tyrod. Mm. It's like when it's blatant to see like that this quarterback gives your chance, gives your team a better chance to win than this guy, and you just take the politics of of the business out of it. Like, and you're the head coach. What does it say to your locker room if you're playing that guy that doesn't give you the better chance to win right. on Sundays? So, shout out to Arthur Smith finally making that move. Heineke will be in um, this week. I know we're talking about the Saints game, but the Falcons is actually the next game on the slate, <laughs> uh, hosting the Vikings. So, yeah, I expect Heineke to have a great game. Honestly. Um, I really do. Drake London's a little banged up, but he'll be able to go. 
And then you got Kyle Pitts, and you got that run game. And I think Arthur Smith's a very capable play caller and, and talk about their defense enough. I think the Falcons are set up right now to make a run, um, and they got the right guy under center. Given what they have on that roster, we've been saying that Heineke is, is your best option yeah, um, to win your team football games. Uh, Minnesota playing at Atlanta, losing Kirk Cousins for the year. What a – gut punch they just got back to 500 after a terrible start where everybody was counting them out cousins was playing at an mvp level and then for him to tear his achilles and they already lost jefferson for you know weeks and he's been out that really hurts minnesota they didn't make the move to get josh dobbs in there josh dobbs if anybody's going to come in, you know, not knowing anything right away, stepping in, Josh Dobbs has proven that he could do that. So I, th- I think they got the right guy for the job, given that they didn't have to give up much for him. They didn't have to go out and make a big splash um, for a trade. That was a really nice, uh, really nice move. It made a lot of sense getting Josh Dobbs. Uh, as far as this game, though, whether it's it's not even him, it's going to be uh, Jaron Hall is their quarterback, rookie out of BYU. So playing at Atlanta, first game against that defense, and we expect Atlanta's offense to put up points on that on that defense. Ike's, what do uh, what's Atlanta giving up in this one? Four. Four. Yeah, I like that number. I really do. Um, what do you got on this one? That's a juicy watch right there. I mean, from the reports that I've seen, O'Connell said that Dobbs isn't expected to start, but could enter the game at some point. So, like, what does that say? Like, yeah, he's not ready to run the offense yet, so we're going to play this other kid, but we know that this other kid is not going to do well. And Dobbs might have to come into the game at some point, get him some reps. And you look at the line, and it's only at four. I feel like Vegas is fucking with us right now. What is it that they're seeing that we're not? Like, what? why is this at only minus four for the Falcon? I feel like this should be like the Saints line. It should be like minus seven and a half to minus eight and a half. This should be a way bigger line than it is. We're talking about a Falcons defense that's really good against a no-name quarterback and then – possibly could be split in time with a guy that they just traded for who hasn't had any time to learn the offense. And then they're starting the Falcons on the flip side are sticking with Heineke who just had the best half of the Falcons year, like any, any offensive half this whole year, that was the best off on the offensive side of the ball for the Falcons. So you're sticking with him and it's only minus four. I think this is a no brainer. I think this has got to be, a juicy bet. So if you can get this line at minus four before it goes up, I would jump on it right away. Yeah, might might be right on that. Four is looking juicy. I do want to say Minnesota's defense, what a turnaround it's been for them because they don't have much on that side. Um, and they played – so much better these last few weeks and credit to Brian Flores. He's one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. Um, He blitzes a ton, but that defense is playing right now. Um, So maybe that has something to do with it, but 
Same time, like you said, because the quarterback situation. E. Vikings don't run the ball great either. So Yeah, they don't have a rushing I don't, I don't touchdown know. on the year. Might, like, yeah. You might you might be right. It might be juicy. Juicy. Moving on to a team that lost to those Minnesota Vikings last week. Green Bay Packers hosting the LA Rams. As of right now, Stafford's questionable with that thumb. I mean, that's literally that's everything when it comes to betting this game um, is the status of Stafford. Because if he plays, you got to like the Rams' chances in this. Jordan Love does not look good, uh, especially these last couple weeks. And it's like the first half of every game that offense is just non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has got to be feeling pretty good about himself right now and how that team decided to move on for uh, this this next this um, next phase with with Jordan Love. And it's looking like he's, he's not going to be that guy for him. Um, they do have some picks, though, going forward. Um, and if, if they keep losing like this because they don't get Aaron Jones the ball, maybe they are tanking. You know, if you're not giving the best player on your offense the ball, maybe that's the mindset for them right now. But, um, yeah, you got you got to get your best player the ball, and I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Aaron Jones getting, getting the opportunities in that offense, and he's going to make that offense go, really, because – Jordan Love's not going to beat you. Um, and they got some young receiving talent, but it just hasn't come together in the passing game for them. Rams coming off of a huge disappointment in Dallas last week. We just got our asses kicked, quite frankly. Offense looked like shit. Defense looked like shit. Special teams looked like shit. Just all three phases got dog-walked um, in Jerry World. So, I look for the team to, to fight whether Stafford's in there or not. But to me, that that makes all the distance, difference in the world is whether Stafford's going or not. Yeah, I, uh, I just like you mentioned. I, I think they're they're going to come back and fight. Stafford's a dog, no pun intended, because he's a former bulldog. But like that dude just battles through pain and injuries, um, unlike most other quarterbacks. I, I look at this line, the Rams at plus three, and I love it. Um, I think, yeah, whether Stafford's playing or not, I'm probably going to hop on the Rams, especially like if I, if I like this now, whether Stafford's playing or not, and then it gets confirmed that Stafford is playing, this line will not stay at three. We'll move down to – definitely we'll move to at two and a half, possibly even down to two. So if you guys – are kind of with us and you like the Rams over the Packers and you don't believe in that Packers offense. Like we don't, unless they get Aaron Jones involved. I love this line at plus three for the Rams. I might even put the Rams on a money line parlay for the dogs and, and ride with them. The one thing I want to point out that I haven't brought up before, but I've been watching now for a few weeks when I see Le floor on the sidelines, the guy looks like he wants to cry. Like he when he when he's sitting there and he sees some of these plays that Jordan Love makes and just how the team is playing, like he looks like he wants to cry on the sidelines. And I noticed it. I noticed it a few weeks ago. I 
I forget what game it was, but I was just like, dude, this, this guy wants to fucking cry. And it was, uh, he even came out of the locker rooms. It was like a terrible first half. He came in the second half. It might've been the game against the lions. And he was just like, yeah, like no excuses. Basically we played like shit. We know we have to pick it up. That's all I got to say. I was like, dude, he is, he's struggling right now to keep his composure. So uh, yeah, I just, I like the Rams here at plus three. Um, if they, if the Packers go down big, keep an eye on the floor. Go Rams. He does have that face, doesn't he? Yeah. He's just got that. Le fleur. He's got that <laughs> face where he just always looks uncomfortable. Like he's going to, yeah. Like he's going to start bawling his eyes out. Yeah. That's funny, funny now that, you, that you bring it up. <laughs> Uh, but who knows? I mean, with him, I mean, this he got his chance to put his version of what he wanted as an offense out there with, with Jordan Love, um, and it hasn't looked good. No. Maybe, I would I would expect them to give him another chance with a new quarterback coming in next year's class. But oh. Yeah. Uh, so one stat I heard leading into last week um, was that the Packers were the – worst offense. I think they were ranked 32nd in the first half. And it was some like offensive metric stat. It wasn't just like, you know, yards or points. It was like some metric that they were the worst offense efficiency wise in the first half. And then the best in the second half. So that's why the Packers have been able to sometimes make a game or at least get a couple wins is because of the second half. So, and I don't know if that stat is true after last week, if it's the same, but you know, to your point, you said they always come out of the gates and they're just stale. Moving on to the Washington Commanders after trading Montez Sweat, Chase Young. Um, tough loss home against Philly last week. Another game where they just battled their asses off. They looked really good. Sam Howell looked really good. But ultimately, Jalen Hurts beat him in the end. They are at New England getting three. Patriots coming off a loss um, in Miami last week. They do look a lot better, obviously, these two weeks ago. And then um, even last week, I thought they looked better than what they have been. Mac Jones did throw a bad pick there to Ramsey. Um, but I think they're, they're, they're starting to come together a little bit, New England. Um, commanders. I mean, how do you really respond as a locker room after trading two players like Montez Sweat and Chase Young? What does that tell to the rest of your team um, as an organization? Uh, to the guys that are left, I don't know. I don't know if it's – sometimes you see a team really surprise you after you know something like this happens and they come out and they, um, they really come together as a team and you see them play well. Um, maybe that happens against the Patriots team that hasn't been great overall this season. Um, but I, Commanders' defense stinks. Their secondary, particularly. I mean, they they had a really good front, and it, it wasn't. It didn't really matter because the secondary has been so bad for them. So I think Patriots will uh, pick their spots to to exploit in this game. Um, try to get that run game going. 
and then I mean when the opportunity's there for for Mac to do something, uh, they did lose Kendrick Bourne, so he's out. But I think the Patriots' offense should uh, should put up some points in this game. The fact that they held on to Zeke with a lot of incoming calls about his availability, I think, kind of speaks to what they want to do as a football team, and that is run the rock with Stevenson and Elliott, and you know let Mac Jones kind of play off of that. I do think the Bourne injury um, might play a role in this game because I think he's been kind of Mac Jones' favorite target. He's definitely been their best receiver this year so far. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the commander's getting rid of two of their best players on defense and both on the defensive line. It's tough to, it's tough to picture those replacements for those two guys being able to – to hold up on short notice. Um, so, yeah, I I like the Patriots here at home, minus three. The weather could play a factor in this one. I know we're we're getting into the gritty season uh, weather-wise and especially at Foxborough. So keep an eye on that. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the Patriots in this one at minus three. I feel like I'm a fucking closet Patriots fan. I've betting on them so much this year. <laughs> <laughs> Especially over the Love. last like four weeks, I don't. I hate them. Love <laughs> Go Pats! Indianapolis Colts at the Carolina Panthers. Carolina is getting two and a half at home. Very interesting, given. Um, I don't know. I thought Carolina. I thought Carolina looked pretty good last week. I thought they did. Um, I said it last episode that they have been a frisky team that just hasn't put four quarters together yet. Um, and credit to them, they 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 put their best performance out last week. This this might be another good spot for them. Um, Colts have been very very up and down throughout this year. Um, I don't know what was going on with Jonathan Taylor went off. In the first week last week and then he ended up just getting one one touch in the second half was just mind-boggling to me uh moss has looked good for them but the fact that taylor went off like that in the first half and then you shied away from him in the second half i don't know if it's if there's still a pitch count perhaps with him i don't know if they like moss more than we think that they like moss um i'm not sure I know that that defense had been playing pretty well early in the season, but they have not looked good, not looked very good at all lately. Um, Where the hell has Darius Leonard been? Shaq Leonard. Like that guy was an absolute monster a couple years ago, and then he had some injuries, and I just feel like he, he fell off the face of the league, to be honest, because it's like, I don't know if he's not getting the same amount of snaps. Uh, if some guy's stepping in for him, I haven't watched enough of the Colts to really know what's going on with that defense. But I just know I'm not seeing him show up uh, on Sundays like he once was for them. Yeah, I mean, name name somebody who changed their name and then was better or just as good. Um, one, one I can think of. Muhammad one. Ali. Well, I'm, all right, well, um, besides him, 
Let's go. Let's go like Ron Artest when he went the Meta World piece. Lesser player. Still want a ring, though. Um, how about, how about uh, what is it, Robbie Anderson? Changed his name to Robbie Chosen. <laughs> I mean, where is he? He has one catch this year. He has one catch for like 65 yards at touchdown. Right. So it's, I don't know. I mean, there's obviously a lot more examples, but those are just a couple off the top of my head. But touchdown touch. pickings. Thank the Lord. Guys, I need pickings. I need Pickett to pick his shit. Steelers up. take the lead in the third with five minutes left. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. So Shaq Leonard, I actually pulled it up. Um, he's frustrated with his lesser usage on the defensive side of the ball. So that's why we haven't been seeing him. And also he got quoted saying, they say, as oh. in as in the Colts, hold on, hold on. They say that I don't make enough splash plays. So that's what Shaq Leonard said about the Colts, whether it was the head coach, the D coordinator, whatever they told him, he's not making enough splash plays. He's frustrated with his lesser usage. Um, so that's that. What what happened in the game though, Pat? Incomplete. Didn't get both feet in. Cox soccer. Mm, okay. Um, back to this game though. This line, Panthers plus two and a half. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like that. I feel like. I mean, they were coming off of a bye, and you know, playing the Texans, like I, I mentioned earlier, I think that Bryce Young had a little bit of extra motivation going against C.J. Stroud, proving that he was the right guy to take number one overall. I I don't there. I don't know. I, I'd have I'm gonna have to look into this game some more. Right now, I don't really like the Panthers at plus two and a half. I think the Colts are the play here at minus two and a half, but um yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have to look into this one more before before I feel comfortable. But uh, as of right now, I think I like the the Colts at minus two and a half more. Buckle up. We got the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. NFC East rivalry. Cowboys coming off a stomping. Eagles are the best team in the NFC record-wise right now. Coming off a win, pulling it off in Washington. Jalen Hurts, I mean, he appears to be banged up, but he keeps going out there. Bang, bang, bird gang, getting it done for him. I mean, what what else is there to say about Jalen Hurts, that A.J. Brown connection? Unbelievable. Um, Defense better step up, though, this week uh, against Dallas because they look good. I know – Philly's going to be absolutely rocking for that game. Uh, Tower, I know you're excited about this one. Mm-hmm. I I am so excited about this game that I I might not even bet it because I don't want I don't want me to to be like oh yeah Philly just scored but yeah, or Dallas just scored but I took Philly on the bet you know something like that something along those lines. Uh, I, I know I, I say I bet every game every week. I probably will end up betting this one, but that's how much um, you know excitement I have for this game because Dallas needs to prove that they can play good against a good team. You look at the four out of their five wins this year have been blowouts. Giants, Jets, Rams, Patriots, all blowouts. Their one win against the Chargers was a close game. 
and the Chargers probably played better than them in that game. Uh, Herbert just missed throws that he normally would have made. Um, and if, if he makes a couple of those throws, it's a different story. So Dallas just has to come out here and play well. They don't have to win the game to show that they're a contender. They just have to play Philly tough. I don't like the fact that Hertz is a little banged up and the commanders have been able to almost beat them twice this year. It wasn't just one fluke game. It's been twice where the commanders have been very close to winning the game and the Eagles sneak it out against them. We all know how inner division rivals go. I believe Dallas beat them twice last year. Once was with Hertz. The other one was the Minshew game or Gardner Minshew, you know, it was a shootout. Uh, Dallas is getting three here. Uh, I like that though. I like that, that line Dallas getting three, the over unders at 47. I could see this being under, we know how Dak has, you know, kind of struggled on the road in these big games lately. Jalen Hurts has been playing better, but he is banged up. Now going against really tough defense, they're going to get after it. I think the Jalen Carter injury is going to be um, – it could be very big. I know the Eagles have good D-line depth, so it's not like they have to be super worried about that. But I do think that he's been playing so well for them to start that it is, it is kind of a big, a big L, especially for this game going against that Dallas O line. So this is just going to be a great game overall. I betting wise, I I like Dallas at plus three and then maybe the under under 47. I could see, I could see this being more of a defensive battle than a shootout, to be honest. Um, I think like a 24, 20 game, is or 20 24 17 something like that i think is very uh possible in the cards here yeah credit to the cowboys depth though because they've had they've had some injuries on that o-line and guys just continue to step up for them and then we talk about trayvon diggs going down which was a huge loss for them but deron bland stepping in um, three pick sixes already this year. Unbelievable. He's he's been balling uh, yeah. for them, and a guy that he had he had to step up and take a key role on that defense, and he's done it. Um, Vanderesh goes out, and they get Marquise Bell to step up for them on that defense and play well. Um, I believe he was undrafted. Yeah, he was he was either undrafted. Or he was like a sixth or seventh round pick. I mean. But he's out there. He's balling for them. And credit to Dan Quinn for for he just continues to get it done for that Dallas defense. Like they lose guys and guys step up. Micah Parsons is an absolute monster. Tore up the Rams last week. CD Lamb looks really good right now. Tore up the Rams last week. Um, I would like to see them get that run game going with Pollard because I feel like that's still something that. Uh, they're missing as far as getting to their potential right now. Um, I don't know if it's a if it's something different with what McCarthy's doing versus what Kellen Moore was doing um, as far as the run game goes. But whatever it is, they got to get Tony Power going because if you can get him going, then we're really talking about this yeah. team being uh, a true contender in the NFC. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's this is a game. There's there's three games really this weekend. You got the the, the Chiefs Dolphins. You got the Bills Bengals, which we'll get to, and then this game, um, Cowboys Eagles. I mean, if the Eagles can pull this off, that's really going to separate them in the division. So I see this being really really big game for Dallas on the road. Um, getting three. I, I might like that as well. Yeah, but I mean, either way, as a football fan, what what more can you ask for? Yeah, exactly. And and to touch, Marquis Bell was an undrafted rookie last year, so he's in his second year now. And and that's a you know kudos shout out to Will McClay. He just continues to fucking do it. He continues to find these these defensive gems late late in the drafts and undrafted rookies. Like he's just uh, really good at what he does, but. Um, yeah, Deron Bland is right now the number one corner against like quarterback rating. So opposing quarterback rating against them, uh, cornerbacks, Deron Bland is ranked number one. I had the other notable on that list bears. Jalen Johnson was number three, but Deron Bland is, is in first right now. And it's not even close. I think he's 10 points lower than the guy who's in second. So he's just been playing incredible, which is huge, obviously after the digs loss, but yeah, um, their offense, you know, maybe that bye week was what they needed. Um, yeah. But go Cowboys. Really happy to see Julio Jones getting a role in that Eagles offense too. I hope that uh, I hope that he can stay healthy because he's uh, he's fun to watch still. Hall of Famer. Moving on to a uh, less appetizing matchup, and that is the New York Giants, but. They should be getting Daniel Jones back they on the road at the Vegas Raiders, who just fired their coach, GM, and they're starting the rookie QB and Aiden McConnell. And right now they are the favorites. Um, before I talk about this too much, I want to address the Giants' shit show last week against the Jets. I mean, they had that game won that you get the Thibodeau sack to make it fourth down um, with like a minute and a half left. And it's like, that's it. Jets got a punt and all you got to do is, you know, not fuck up. They get in field goal range and Gano shanks it, but it's not even that he shanks it. We were talking about this. It's fourth and one. All you need is a yard. Like all you need is a yard to get a first down and the game's over. That's it. If you don't get it, Derrick Henry just broke one. If you don't get that first down, okay, Jeff, or excuse me, Zach Wilson has to go down the field and and beat you. Like it's either one yard or that. You can end it right there. You don't have to take a chance with anything happening. Miss field goal, um, whatever. And he decides to kick it make it a six-point game, and Gano shanks it. Even then, though, Jets had 24 seconds left, and you're not expecting them to pull that off, but Zach Wilson makes a big-time throw over the middle, uh, setting him up, and Zerloin puts it in OT. And then another questionable decision by Dable is – didn't mention it yet. They're on their third string quarterback, Tommy DeVito, who I thought was bad at Syracuse. So the fact that he's in an NFL game playing quarterback was 
pretty mind-boggling to me. But that's besides the point. You win the coin toss and you elect to receive. So the only way you're ending the game is by scoring a touchdown. And by that point, they had like minus seven yards passing or some shit. So I wasn't sure what the mindset was there receiving it instead of trying to get a stop. All you got to do is stop Zach Wilson, kick a field goal, you win. So for the Jets, I mean, they the Giants play calling on that drive in overtime was just pathetic. It really was. Um, you were pretty much just just being so complacent that you're handing it over to the Jets in good territory, three and out, punt, and the Jets go down, kick a field goal to win it. Uh, they're supposed to get Daniel Jones back. Raiders are obviously in a rough spot, but I talk about uh, commanders possibly coming together after those trades. This is a spot where you could see uh, Antonio Pierce really light a spark in that team. Um, I think McConnell's capable. I mean, the way Jimmy G looked last week, what what is there to lose at this point by playing the rookie? Um and Jimmy G doesn't look healthy like he like he always he's never healthy, but I like I like the fact that you get McConnell in there and you you got this new regime. Um, Pierce is a, is a former player. He's going to know how to get those guys fired up. The Giants, this you can't lose this game if you're the Giants. But um, as as far as gambling goes, they're getting one and a half. I don't know how. But that's what it's at. What are your thoughts on this? Vegas knows something that we don't. Um, yeah, to, to, to piggyback off of what you were saying about the Giants' fumble of the Jets game, uh, you know, there's one person I think that keeps flying under the radar, and he's not he's not getting talked about, and that's Graham Gano, right? Graham Gano was probably arguably a top five kicker over the last two years. Last year, he was incredible for the Giants. This year, he's stunk. He has been one of the least accurate kickers this year. I've just seen him miss field goal after field goal, especially in clutch time when the Giants really need a field goal. He's missed it. And last year, it was the opposite. He hit everything he needed to and more. If that if that fourth and one is a fourth and three, I don't think we talk about Dable making the decision. And then this ends up getting put on Gano. But, you know, in hindsight, like I've been 50-50 on that. Like Pat mentioned, we talked about it. And it's like, you got to go for that. And then at the same time, if you look at it from the other perspective, it's like, all right, this is Gano, a kicker you obviously trust, whether or not he's had an up or down year. It's a kicker that they trust. It's a chip shot. Nine out of 10 times, he should make that and probably would make it nine out of 10 times. So they think, okay, kick this. You go up six. No way Zach Wilson goes down and and gets it. But at the same time, or like goes down and, and scores a touchdown. But at the same time, like he's not going to – like if you go for it and you don't get it, like he shouldn't get 50 yards in 20 seconds and do it. So like, yeah, I think Dable – you know, we can talk about his decision there, but like the defense, which has actually turned it around and been somewhat of a solid unit over the last few weeks, just really, uh, really shot themselves in the foot that game. Like they gave up that big play. I think it was like a 20, 30 yard play or whatever. One of the, the first or second play was Zach Wilson. I don't even know who he threw it to, but they stunk. They lost that one. They should, they should have won the game very easily. They, uh, they choked 
to say the least. Going into this game, getting Danny Dimes back, I don't know how the Raiders are favored. Um, after losing, the, obviously, the head coach change. I'm uh, I'm going to ride with the Giants on this bet, uh, you know. But once again, maybe maybe Vegas knows something that we don't. I think this would be a good uh, this would be a good game to throw in Giants money line if you like to do, you know, you like to throw in a little underdog parlay. I think that um, the Giants might be a good team to throw in that. Yeah, and. Talking about that defense, Kayvon Thibodeau really looks like uh, he's turning into that guy that they drafted. He's already got eight sacks this year. Oh, yeah. He looks he, he looks really good right now. Um, he won them the game last week, and then, you know, they gave it away. So <laughs> he, he won the game. Giants lost the game. <laughs> yeah. Is what it is. Uh, moving on to a juicy Sunday night football matchup. The Buffalo Bills getting to on the road against the scorching hot Cincinnati Bengals. Coming off a win in San Fran where they made it really difficult on that offense. And Joe Burrow looks healthy, looks clean. I mean, looked so good against that Niners defense. That just doesn't happen against that defense, but Burrow was dicing him up. Yeah. He really was. Uh, Buffalo is coming off that win on Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, we talked about how they were starting to get a lot of guys involved, finally getting Kincaid in it, uh, the guy that you drafted and you were talking about, everybody was talking about, yeah, where is he? Well, we finally saw him last week. So that was good to see. Josh spread the ball around the field. James Cook continues to look good. Uh, they continue to hate James Cook and not give him the ball as much as they should be. Uh, Fournette coming in now. Not sure if he's playing or not. Since he looks like like, are people going to learn the lesson on on Cincy? Um, talking about them, you know, the first month of the season, talking about how you know they're done and Joe Burrow's trash. Da 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 da. Uh, and like they're not going to make the playoffs. It's it's time to accept that they just start slow. Um, not to mention Joe didn't get any reps in the offseason, preseason. He was banged up with that calf, and now he looks good. And now we're seeing we're seeing a healthy Joe Burrow in an explosive offense. I talked about Mixon in the past, how he looks like he might not have it anymore. I was wrong. Joe Mixon looks good again. He had a great week last week. He's running hard. He's running good. He looks explosive. I really like where the Cincinnati Bengals are at right now. Talk about that front on defense. Uh, Lou Anarumo, that D coordinator, is great. Um, This is going to be a tough one for Buffalo on the road Sunday night, especially because they haven't looked great. Um, They got it done last week, yeah, against the Bucs at home. But I feel like the Bills haven't looked great for some time, especially that defense uh, with the injuries they're dealing with. Um, hopefully Douglas can bolster that secondary for them. Um, what are you thinking about this juicy Sunday night matchup? Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the same game last year 
where we had the uh, Demar Hamlin injury, right? In Cincinnati, it was a it was a primetime game, and then obviously that that injury was very unfortunate. Yeah, Monday night last year, yeah. Monday night, so another primetime Bills Bengals game um, in Cincinnati. You know, maybe I'm sure. Obviously, this is this has been um, brought up to the Bills squad, and you know, maybe they have a little extra motivation. They want to go win this one for Demar, but. That ain't enough for me. I think that Joe Blow has looked way too good, and their their offense is clicking. Their, that pass rush, um, I think, is going to get after Josh Allen, and he's going to have to make a lot of plays. Like it, it's at the point right now where this Bills offense seems like Josh Allen has to make plays, and he has to make them all game for them to win, especially against great teams or even good teams. Like, yeah, the mediocre teams, maybe you know the Bills are good enough they can get away with – playing a mediocre game and then Josh Allen has a game winning drive, but like against these good or great teams, like the Bengals, especially when Burrow's clicking and that offense is going to put up probably 30 plus points. Josh Allen has to be Superman for that offense. So especially with them refusing to consistently run the ball with James cook. And, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate that we had to wait to see Kincaid get involved. It took an injury to, Dawson Knox to finally get Kincaid involved in the offense. Um, I I'm unsure of uh, Dawson Knox's status heading into this game. He's good to go. So no, no he's out. Okay. So, you know, it's it, Kincaid again. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I just like the Bengals at minus two here. The over under is at 49 and a half. That's the total. <clears throat> That's uh. It's a good amount of points, um, so I, I probably would stay away from that. But I like the Bengals at minus two in this one for sure, especially at home primetime game. Yeah, um, I, I might be with you on that just because the Bills haven't looked – they haven't looked great. And like you said, there's too much of, all right, Josh, go save us. Mm-hmm. Like the, it, it feels like there's no scheme – there's no set up the run game for play action. Um, get these short to intermediate routes. Get the screen game going, and then take your shots when you get them. Uh, I said in the past that I th- I think that's a problem uh, Josh Allen has is, in his mindset as a quarterback. But I think that has to do with their OC and Dorsey as well. I just feel like there's way too much hero ball. I guess would be the term for it in being putting everything under QB's plate and saying, hey, you know, like you said, be Superman. Go out there and save us. And I said it last episode, their defense is too banged up right now for them to go out and just fuck around on offense with, like, no plan and just wing it um, and, and see what happens with that because the those possessions count a lot more now uh, when you don't have the defense to bail you out. But either way, should be – very exciting Sunday night matchup. Um, given since City was the team that ended the Bills' season last year in Buffalo, too, so they're a bit of a revenge game for Buffalo. They should be fired up for it. Obviously, since he's going to be fired up for it, this is a nice little, uh, nice little rivalry that's been brewing up in the AFC. Uh, moving on to a less stellar primetime game. That's the Monday night game. We got the LA Chargers 
on the road, giving up three and a half at the Jets. Chargers mm-hmm. coming off that big win against the Bears. Well, I don't, not not a big win, but they beat a big um, as they should have. They should have beat beaten a big um, in that spot. Uh, took care of business. Jets pull it out. We already talked about that game uh, from the Giants' perspective. Uh, Jets just continue to find ways to win these games that Jets fans are so used to them losing. Um, and that's a credit to Robert Salah. That's a credit to Zach Wilson, um, especially last week, that drive with 24 seconds left to go down and get him that field goal. That's that's a big boy drive. That's a big boy quarter NFL quarterback drive out of Zach Wilson, and that's huge for the growth of him. Um and the fact that when when you look at these when you look at these teams that it's only three and a half, I mean Vegas knows that the Jets are gonna make it like Salah says that he's gonna make he's gonna make uh life a living hell for the opposing quarterback. It doesn't matter how good. We've seen it with Josh Allen, we've seen it with uh Mahomes, what they've done to him. That defense is gonna play. And I expect this to be a close game. I don't expect the the Chargers to to blow the doors off by any means, given how they continuously underperform. And I I feel like this is a great – it's going to be a great atmosphere there on Monday night at the Meadowlands um, for the Jets and their fans. And the the continued optimism of, hey, maybe we keep going with this thing that Rodgers can come back down the line for him. I like the Jets in this spot, plus three and a half. What say you? Chargers find ways to lose games. So, uh, you know, them being the favorite at minus three and a half, it's, uh, I think that's the sucker bet here. Um, Obviously, you expect Herbert and that offense to try to, you know, win the game essentially. But I don't know that, that that Jets defense is just so tough. And Zach Wilson has been, better than a lot of people have expected him to be. I think that the Jets getting three and a half here is a good number. I agree with you there. The total at 40, that's a good total. Uh, I I maybe fade it and go under. That might be the play here. I mean, the Chargers just like, this is kind of like the ultimate matchup, right? You have a great offense going against a great defense. Then you have a mediocre offense going against a very mediocre defense um yeah i don't know i I like the jets plus three and a half fade the total take the under maybe you know fade it to 46 47 something like that if you want to parlay that together get a little extra money out of that um this is also another one of those money line dog teams to throw in that parlay so like week to week um, when I say that about the parlay week, every week I like to get, um, you know, anywhere from three to five games. It just depends on how, how good I feel about those underdogs and those matchups. And, you know, I put them all on a parlay, just take the money line on the underdogs, throw them in. And, uh, you know, this could be a good one. This could be a good one to throw in there. And, and, you know, if, if your parlay's hitting up to that point and you just have this on Monday night, maybe you can do a little cash out um before this before that game hits but yeah i don't know there's there's a lot of 
there's a lot of dogs this week that I feel like they have a solid shot to win these games. But yeah, no, but aside from that though, three and a half jets. I like it. Yeah. Some good looking dogs. And then just a ton of uncertainty at the quarterback position going into this week too. So definitely if you are going to be placing bets this weekend, keep an eye on, on those, uh, injuries, uh, for the quarterbacks across the league, because that's going to make a big difference. Um, if you like if you like a certain line right now, uh, regardless, then put it down early because it's likely going to change. You know, given the status updates on some of those quarterbacks. Yeah the 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 underdogs though that I like right now, like if I had to throw a parlay together right now, I'm taking three to five teams. The three that I I actually really do like and and I think that they have a, gr- a great shot at at winning the game is the Rams. As the dog plus one thirty six, Giants as the dog plus one hundred five is not much of a dog, but still the dog. And then the Jets plus one fifty, they're a dog. And then there's two games that are a toss up. It really just depends on how you feel about these. That Cowboys game, they're at plus one thirty, and then the Dolphins game, the Dolphins are the underdog against the Chiefs. They're at plus one hundred five. So those first three. I feel good about the latter there. The Dolphins and the Cowboys are kind of 50-50 toss-ups. I, I would feel more comfortable taking the spread on those as opposed to straight up in the in the dog parlay. Especially if you take the Dolphins and it, and it ruins it right off the bat for you. Now you're just fucked for the rest of the oh, day. That's the worst. Yeah, so maybe stay away from that one. Yeah, nothing worse than losing that that at 9 30 yeah. <laughs> before the slate even really kicks off and what a feeling when you win that and you're like all right let's have a day baby exactly but i might have to yeah we might have to go in together on that underdog parlay i, I love the sound of that might have to uh get that out on a post too mm-hmm. uh for everybody because that does sound that does sound juicy it does sound juicy. very juicy juicy but hey that's all we got for week nine that's all we got for this episode episode six Make sure you like and subscribe on YouTube. We will be back next week. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Spotify. And Tyre, you got anything else? I will. See you on the box. Yeah. See you on the box for some times. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>